Well, that brings me to my note about poop because they make James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> There's your opening. There's the opening. We did it. We did it. Welcome back to the Trash Watch Podcast. It is week number three of our March Madness. This week we did The Three Musketeers from 2011. It was Brian's pick starring Matthew McFadden. And the only way I can describe this movie is it's so horny. It's like Four Loco and Steampunk had a child named Kyle who exclusively masturbates in his work bathroom. Thank you, Brian, for doing this. Chris, we have the exact same note. Like word for word, I fucking knew it. <laughs> did you did you also capitalize for loco like the entire two words? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, and it's I the only a, thing capitalized in the entire sentence. I can't remember if I was a four loco fan, but I drank enough of it that I can't remember if I was a four loco fan. I I think I was in that realm of like heard about it and I was like that sounds foolish. No thanks. It was. Yeah, that's yeah. what my brother got drunk on for his 21st birthday in Athens during oh. mom's weekend. Oh, my God. It was I got time. I got drunk on everything on my 21st. <laughs> All right. We're going to do 21st birthday stories. Uh, is, this, is this happening yeah, already? This, this is also why I'm going to need therapy when I'm older or now, uh, because oh, we my, know why you need therapy, bud. My 21st birthday, uh, my college roommate and I went out to dinner with my family and they're like, well, you're 21. Congratulations. Enjoy the Cheesecake Factory. And then we finished and it was like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, let's go to Easton. We'll go see a movie. So we watched the uh, Johnny Depp, Helena Bon Bonham Carter, uh, Sweeney Todd. And I had to buy my own drink because the guy I was living with was not old enough to purchase one. And it was just it was just awful. And then on our drive home, because I was still new to Columbus, I had no idea how to get back to Powell. So we got lost in what I can only describe as the seediest neighborhood in Columbus. We somehow ended up in North Linden, and I could not find my way out for like an hour. It was it was not great. What about you, Brandon? Uh, mine, I went out with uh, a couple friends and uh, a co-worker that worked at Campus Dining with me. Uh, she turned 21 around the same time. So a bunch of us went out and I let her choose the destination. So we went to like a loud club that I, the sort of place I would never have gone to. Uh, but I mean, lots of good drinking. Had a very good time with drinking. Uh, a couple notable things. Uh, she had a poster of the water lilies on the wall. At the st uh, in her apartment, so we pre-gamed at her apartment. Went there. I didn't say anything about it. Leave. Get back to the, go back to her place after the bar for a little more drinking. I sit there for like a minute. I'm smashed at this point. I stare at the poster and I just go, I fucking hate impressionism. <laughs> <laughs> that is where I found out that apparently I have a deep-seated <laughs> hatred for impressionism, which oh I stand God. by. I, I stand by drunk Brandon's decisions. All right, uh, casting Brandon in as Jules in Sunday in the Park with George. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, the 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 uh, the after story though was since we went to a club, I was obviously shouting all night because I was drunk and didn't have any control over myself, and also it was loud as hell because it's a stupid club. Uh, the next day, I was supposed to perform for a nursing home for the musical Aida. Oh, uh, that I was in. I was playing Zozer at the time and I had no voice. I like my range stopped at like 
like the F below middle C. Like it, I had no range. So I did one song an octave lower, which I could manage. And then another one, I told one of the ensemble members, I was like, here, I'll write out the words. You can sing this. I can't. I had no voice. <laughs> Whoops. And also we were like two weeks out from the show. So I was like, oh God, I hope I didn't do any long-term damage here. <laughs> so my story was I went to Otterbein, which uh, as we know is a dry campus. So everyone got hammered all the time. And for my for my 21st birthday it was, you know, a bunch of uh, bunch of me and some of the theater kids like went out to um, the like Jimmy V's or whatever. And essentially it was like what they did was like was like different people would buy me drinks and they'd have like a list. So people would list like who like who bought a drink and what the drink was. And then after each drink, I would sign next to that name so that over the course of the I think it was 11 drinks that night. Like my signature just like turned more and more into really what it is sober today, which is an unintelligible scribble. Um, yeah. Um, I, wait. Oh, yeah, on my, first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was my, yeah. The four loco was my brother's um, where I also got a tattoo on his 21st birthday. But on my 21st birthday, I got engaged. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, Ashley wins regrettable decisions. <laughs> yep. yep, you win. You win, honey. Congratulations. We're all sitting here telling these elaborate stories. Ashley's just waiting. She's like, she's like oh, these dumb motherfuckers. We're playing euchre here, and she just has all the Trump have, in her hand. I could have gone alone. I could have we gone are alone. Alexander Dumas writing these like thousand-page novels about the Three Musketeers or the Count of Monte Cristo, and then P- Ashley's just Paul W.S. Anderson going in and just like, I yep. got engaged. <laughs> Much, much with guns. I was about to say, much like an airship in this movie, Ashley just derailed us with a single sentence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, let us get into this movie. I Jesus. enjoyed it. I, you know what? I'll be honest. I, waking up this morning, I, I, I did enjoy this, but like, it's not good to me. It's one of those like uh, illusions that you look and you can't tell if it's a rabbit or a duck. Yeah, and like sometimes I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, that's a fucking rabbit. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's been a duck this whole time. And it keeps going back and forth really quickly. I could not put my finger on when this movie is supposed to take place at all. I think that I mean, according to Wikipedia, like the book takes place in like 1625 ish. So, I mean, okay. it's in the reign of Louis the 13th. So it's like early 1600s. So we we start this movie in Venice after an opening voiceover. I, did anyone else get bigly extraordinary gentleman vibes from this opening? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm like, that's the DVD two pack right there. I got big Monty Python vibes from this opening because like <laughs> the the sentry who dies immediately like had this mustache and I'm like, wait, how did the Frenchman who can't speak French end up as a sentry in Venice? What? <laughs> yeah, I wrote down uh, I'm I'm going on the record that uh the that guard with the mustache is gonna be my favorite character. <laughs> I see I I didn't even make a note about the guard with the mustache because I was too concerned about the water and the Venice canals possibly giving uh everyone hepe because it's disgusting. That's the epilogue to the movie. It's just all the characters <laughs> just laid low by hepatitis. Yeah. Chris, this is 17th century. Disease is going to be the big ending for all these stories. This is true. This is true. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Brian. Yeah, they tell us in the opening crawl, it's the dawn of the 17th century. So oh. there's yes, where we, right there. we just get we get like CGI scale models of just like toys playing a game of like risk. 
And I wrote down, I'm definitely going to remember all of this. They go yes. over, they try to, they set up all these like political intrigue when really like you don't need any of it. I'm like, yeah, okay. No. That guy hates that guy is trying to get that guy to fight that guy. It's, it's. And then at the end of the narration, it's like, you know, the, can the musketeers stop the, uh, on the upcoming apocalypse? Yeah. Apocalypse. Like, man, three musketeers versus the apocalypse. I'm sold. Yeah. But like what apocalyptic thing is happening in this movie? Airships? Airships uh, are not the apocalypse. Basically what it is, is uh, this movie posits a world where uh, an evil actor was trying to start uh, World War One, like in uh, the 17th century. Uh, and so, I mean, let's face it, the world wars we had kind of were an apocalypse that we just barely escaped. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, I think this movie would be better suited if it just had the cold open starting in Venice. I think we don't, we really didn't need that opening monologue. Oh, we definitely did not. Uh, although I needed, uh, we'll get into, I guess it, my notes a little later, but my thought is I either needed to see like more of the Musketeers in their prime or none. So like, I like this Venice opening because it's, 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 it hits the wacky tone right away. It's like, this yeah, is the it, kind of wacky shit you're going to have in this movie. Uh, I wrote down, I'm definitely here for the gunbows. So that French guard Ashley was talking about, he's standing uh, at the water, keeping guard against question mark. And he... <laughs> sees some like movement in the water and uh he looks down and just boom gets an arrow to the neck and falls into the water and we get this week's matthew matthew mcfadian coming out of the water scuba night with a gimp mask yeah <laughs> and this and this like multi-tiered crossbow thing that can collapse I, don't and... you speak bad about that i am here oh, no, no. for that it, it gave me it gave me super like uh van helsing vibes yeah and like i mean i'm actually a an a uh uh van helsing um apologist apologist yeah i i really i really love it so yeah, I was, if, if not for the fact that it's like two and a half hours long like yeah no we will never talk about it on the show because it's so fucking long yeah i mean i i mean i'm similar way i and i mean, I, I remember enjoying it mm -hmm. uh at least to the extent of i have it on, had it on in the background while i was doing other more entertaining stuff true but i mean also it's a stephen summers movie so also this is like not to derail where we're going with the conversation but this movie itself is like, this Three Musketeers feels like the ultimate dad movie. Like, a dad would just sit down and be like, oh, we're watching this shit right now. Oh, yeah, because it's Three Musketeers. He's like, I've heard of that. That's that's supposed to be, like, a classic thing. Uh, and then he watched this. He's like, yeah, this is exactly what the story is. <laughs> Although, the amount of people that are murdered, and I mean that whole heart murdered in this movie, is super uncomfortable this thing has a higher body count than like an 80s slasher film yeah i mean they they wipe out about half the british and french armies in yes. this movie without sweating what i noticed about this movie is that it's just like a frankenstein piecemeal of all kinds of other things yeah um like i really enjoyed the introduction in the introduction of all of the musketeers because it did like the community style like um you know like pulling up their names like in the in the paintball episode where the the country one like oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, country I, i'm here for these like title like the name drop title cards yeah like, yes. in the, and it's it's it really suicide is squad the, it, and it, it's appropriate that paul ws anderson made this movie because this three musketeers is a video game as i, I texted you guys at one point this is dumas meets final fantasy like, did they ever make this a video game? Because I would be surprised. I if mean, they did. at this time, everything was a tie-in, right? That's true. Yeah, I th this actually might have been like right after, like right after that heyday, because it was like the two thousands, and then 
2010 happened and like all the all the third party like tying mo- movie game companies just all like simultaneously fell into the ocean. I will say watching this I I'm not super familiar with the actual like story of the three musketeers in the novel so i did i i did look it up after the fact and i was shocked at how much of the like absurd shit in this film was i was like oh wait that was an accurate pool uh, like i text you all wrote down her fucking name is milady you've got to be <laughs> shitting me and i was like okay what paul ws anderson bullshit is this and no no that is alexander dumas bullshit <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is like i wholeheartedly believe if Alexander Dumas had been able to conceive of airships, he would have put them in this book. Oh, yeah. Book. Like, the novel would have, I guarantee. Yeah. So that, that that's the introduction of Athos. He is a water ninja gimp who takes out people <laughs> with his automatic crossbows. Uh, next, we get Aramis, who uh, does he just jump onto a gondola or is he the gondola? Oh, he, he starts he on, he's on the yeah, he's on the roof like Batman or I Frankenstein or Assassin's Creed. Mm hmm. Uh, all of these are the names of the the characters. The, like Assassin's great. Creed is his name. <laughs> Zelda is the boy. This feels like it was an Assassin's Creed movie, and somebody said, "Yeah, we're not ready for that yet." So make it a Three Musketeers film. Oh boy, that that one's just <laughs> waiting for us. That feels like yeah. there's a meme of like a dude sitting on a bench, and there's like giant creatures like creeping closer to him. That yep. feels like all of us sitting on the bench, and Assassin's Creed is just getting closer <laughs> to us. <laughs> or, yeah, or it's the Henry Cavill Jason Momoa meme. Yeah, uh, I will uh, say this like. When we get to that movie, because I'm sure we will, I am not the one picking it because I've seen it and it is unwatchable. I saw it in theaters. Oh God, no! Why? Did I was you like, I love the Assassin's Creed games. I'm gonna go I did see too, this. but Jesus, that was not it. I mean, so this this kind of tell. I mean, I'm never picking it because I have no intention of watching it voluntarily. Well, it's on like, you, only Ashley. if it's on this podcast. So it's either <laughs> going to be you or Brandon or Ashley wants to watch the world burn. Yeah. challenge accepted it might be a punishment like <laughs> if we ever ch- the problem is i always pick before you guys so if we ever change up the order and like i have a week where one of you two really piss me off i'm gonna be like assassin's creed <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so he jumps on so yeah so we're back to uh Aramis. he jumps on this uh gondola and by the way in case you didn't know we're on a video game quest they're all getting keys they need to collect the yes. four yes. keys yes. to unlock the next quest <laughs> my favorite was merit last night goes why do all these people have keys with them? Why are they going after the people with the keys? And I'm like, it's a video it's game. A you game. never ask that question. The people right. have the, the you, you know, destiny gems and you have to go collect them and little, put them the together. The little uh, white indicator appears over their head. So, you know, they're important. Yeah. You stare at your, you stare at your compass and you just run towards the little triangle <laughs> until you hit a wall. I also decided last night while watching this movie, anytime that like, not that like it will happen, but you know, the next time that Merritt's like, Hey, sexy let's let's get happy i'm just gonna be like, but i'm a lady because that woman saying i'm a lady and not having sex with the dude with the key is insane because two seconds later aramis jumps down practically drowns the motherfucker and is like i'm not really that priest-like and she's like well i'm not that ladylike so let's and then he brags this. i have 10 minutes and i'm like that's not a bigger <laughs> brag as you think bro yeah <laughs> i just wrote shag like that's. What I, that's what I, yeah, I mean, the, the horniness in this movie just oh, hit right off the bat the because right because after after uh, after Gimp kills uh, five more guards, uh, that's when uh, Milady shows up, and you know, and just immediately they're having this. They have almost it's like a Batman Catwoman flirtation thing. 
And I, honestly, I was kind of hoping that was going to be the dynamic throughout the movie, where it's just these these two people who constantly are at at odds and occasionally are working together and also both are just really into each other all the time but it's forbidden because they're enemies friends maybe lovers but yeah so uh so athos and milady go off uh sexily into the into the castle uh, uh but oh, my friends we've yet to meet porthos and i gotta tell you i i I was a little, I was like, what's this weird energy? But then we get to the Porthos introduction. And I was like, I don't care what it is. Just keep spoon feeding it to me, baby. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's just absurd enough. Because Porthos like, is, is chained up in a dungeon being taunted by some douchebag. But he's got um, the Quasimodo setup where he's just in the middle of a room with chains in the walls. And then he, he reveals he's like, I meant to get captured. And what does he do? He fucking rips the chains out of the walls. Yes. And we find out that Porthos is, in fact, spawn. I was going to ask, like, does he have super strength or or, or what is happening here? No, yeah, he's he the dumb brute strength. muscle. He's oh, okay. The muscle. He's just the muscle guy. All right. Yeah. yeah. I made this note about halfway through this movie, but I'm going to share it with you now because I think it's important to establish the dynamics here. So the chipmunk archetypes are always <laughs> applicable when you have a trio. This is um, a of a thousand faces. <laughs> yep, yep. So we have... Athos, who is the Alvin of the group, he is the like alpha male always leading the way, but he also, you know, uh, gets a little bit nihilistic in the end. These are the chipmunks grown up. And then we have um, Aramis, who is the Simon. We learn later that he actually like reads and stuff. And then we have Porthos, who is the (laughs) dumb brute who uh, would probably if 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 uh, James Corden didn't beat him to the feast first, uh, he would totally have been at that feast at the end, which we'll get to. But I just think it's really important that we establish that early. D'Artagnan is Dave. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it really speaks to the problem, I think, of any uh, Three Musketeers adaptation is that, like, I haven't seen all of that or a lot of them. But, like, anyone I see, anytime I hear about it, I'm like, I don't give a shit about D'Artagnan. Let me hang out with these three. Yes, yes. D'Artagnan. Don't give me D'Artagnan. He's the least interesting character out of this bunch. He's also, a villain. I hate him. I don't want D'Artagnan no, when we no. get to him. I'm like, yes. ew, gross. Yeah. You know the what? Fact you know what I don't he hate gets them? Constance at the end. It actually pisses me off. Yeah, she deserves better. She deserves so much better. Um, but, but you know, some, some, something that doesn't piss me off, and something I am in fact here for, as I told you, all my notes are: I'm here for this. I'm here for this. <laughs> is the whip sound effects on every motion that anyone makes? Oh my yes. god! Yes. Taking yes. the key out of someone's hand is like a. <laughs> <laughs> every movement they make is just accompanied by a whooshing air noise and i fucking love it all right so we've introduced our musketeers and so now that brings us to imdb trivia oh god <laughs> here we go baby as it says at the start of the film the three musketeers in d'artagnan the d'artagnan the d is uh, lowercase uh, shows how they are representative of the four elements, no period. Athos represents water, Porthos represents earth, Aramis represents wind, and D'Artagnan represents fire. A no. hundred years ago, the four nations lived in harmony. <laughs> everything changed with D'Artagnan ruined fucking everything. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Planchette is the one that, that is the, the fire bender because we see him on the airship later Straight up just doing a flamethrower. Oh, no. Planchette is Uncle Iroh. He's also yes. a firebender, but he is <laughs> the Uncle true. Iroh who's just like chill and having tea and getting high playing board games. Yes. <laughs> uh, the perfect life. Uh, uh, but yeah, so they, they get to the end of the They get to the final stage of the video game quest. They have their four keys. They put them in the marble ground and then the staircase drops down. Uh, yeah. In case you know, this whole movie is clock punk. That, there's your first trope for the week. Yep. It's a clock punk world and we're just living in it. 
And much like uh, Roland Emmerich, like in every post, really post Jurassic Park movie, mm -hmm. uh, had to include some variety of raptors, like the little baby Godzillas or the uh, ostriches in or the, the emus or whatever in 10,000 BC mm -hmm. or uh, the wolves in Day After Tomorrow. Uh, the, Paul W.S. Anderson, after Resident Evil, just has to keep doing like booby-trapped hallways because we get two in this movie. Oh uh, yeah, we get multiple booby-trapped hallways, which is great. Uh, which, Speaking sorry, of is... booby traps, Mila Jokovic, because um, <laughs> this whole opening sequence when she slides across, it, it was just to see her cleavage. Uh, well, I, he, a couple things about this. First off, uh, this gets us the TV trope Leroy Jenkins as she just fucking <laughs> runs it. <laughs> Which I love that trope. Um, At least I got chicken. Uh, first off, this hallway, big uh, Phantom of the Opera vibes, right? Because it's the yeah. uh, the old French version with the like weird hand or the Beauty and the Beast thing that that was stolen for the Phantom of the Opera adaptation. Uh, and then she's like, "This was too easy. Collecting four keys from people around locations and putting them in secret marble columns was too easy." <laughs> uh, but until the slide, it was a very unimpressive move. She like just fucking she Leroy Jenkins. She blunders yeah, she down just, the hallway, just running and almost getting killed at every step of the way. She's and then the, like earnest and scared stupid. Yeah. <laughs> at the very end, she slides. And like, I was like, well, the slide was kind of actiony and cool. But the rest of it, you look like a real fucking dumbass. Yeah. I can run fast. <laughs> I wrote, well, that explains why they cast Mila Jovovich. Because it's like, oh, she has to like do actiony things. Well, also, it's because it's his wife. Yeah. And that I did not know until I, I believe I wholeheartedly believe that they that this is like their kink and like every movie that he directs with her in it. It's like, all right, we're going to make you look as sexy as possible. And everyone has to watch Yeah, every day on set. It's just the I think you should leave sketch. Just Paul W. Sanderson sitting as director's chair, honking his horn. I'm horny. I'm horny. <laughs> and Mila Djokovic is like, I know, baby. I know. <laughs> The guards have shown up and they're tra they're trapped seemingly until Athos just throws up a bomb and just blows a hole yeah. in the Venice in Venice and just drains Venice. Like I I believe that that's what happened. Um, I did reach out to my my physics professor friend Eric because I had a question about how the the flooding works in this movie. So I sent him a clip of when the the flood literally takes over the vault and then goes up into the like the main chamber and he goes it would never work that way like. It, it's it's too big of a space and it's just like physically like that draining would not be able to do that and they would not be able to swim out of that hole that they just created if that was the case so chris uh when is his funeral because this, i imagine when the airships showed up and you had the whole big battle <laughs> yeah. near the end like he just had an aneurysm yeah i'm sure no, the notre dame roof was just very structurally sound y'all <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that makes me sad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so here, I, well, it wasn't caught on fire, at least in this movie. So that's a good start. Uh, it's surprisingly early, I wrote, but I wrote down, say the line, Bart, because right after this adventure, we get the all for one, one for all. Yeah. I was like, man, I thought you would tease us and with that Milady for a while. And is like, boy, it would sure be rotten if I were to, mm, I don't know, betray you. And then they, they're all like, hey, Gads, we've been poisoned. And they collapse and then enters... The best part of this movie. <laughs> I, Orlando Bloom's uh, hair and costume. I yes. adore this character and his portrayal. Like it is, I have never seen Orlando Bloom have so much fun. Yes. And I am here for it. I wrote Orlando's hair is blooming. 
Ah. <laughs> Brian, I will I will recommend a movie for you then if you enjoyed this campiness and the silliness from Orlando Bloom. Uh, you have to watch the boxing movie he's in where he drinks an, a copious amount of milk and nobody can break his bones because he's like super strong because of all the milk he drinks and he beats the hell out of people. Chris, this movie That's doesn't not exist. A movie. That's a fever it dream is. you had. It is. Hold on. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like just it. like the kung fu kangaroos you keep talking about. <laughs> it is called The Calcium Kid. It is a British mockumentary from 2004 starring Orlando Bloom as the quote-unquote milkman, an amateur boxer. Billy Piper and Michael Pena also are featured in it as well. But that's the whole plot is he drinks a lot of milk, has the strongest bones, and people break their bones by trying to break his bones. What? (laughs) What? Yeah! You should watch it, though. It's really fun. What? (laughs) Sorry. You ruined this entrance, Chris. <laughs> we were talk we were gonna talk about just how glorious it is when he comes strutting into this room, capes a flowing, and is like, Mwahaha, I'm the villain. <laughs> I have one job on this show, and that's to ruin things. So congratulations. Oh, we'll get to trash to treasure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we do have to take a little bit, just talk about Orlando Bloom's hair and costume oh, so and countenance and Orlando God bless him. He has like 20 lines in this movie, and half of them are about clothing. I'm surprised that any of these characters are talking about things that aren't costumes because oh yeah uh this does earn the trope costume porn so (gasps) (laughs) like even watching it last night I was I I just was taken aback at moments where I wasn't really taking notes because I was like if there was no audio here just like visually I would love this movie but then they talk well but this moment, this is where I wrote, did he say DMT? Are they yeah. just high? Did he just give them like the best trip of their lives? Like they should be thanking him. The walls are starting to breathe and they're all connected. And it, Matthew McFadyen is just ch- is chasing Porthos around saying, I need to get back in my body. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Um <laughs> But no, this this really does feel like Orlando Bloom is like, I'm done with the fucking Pirates movies. I could step into the world and he's just, I'm going to have fun again. I forgot how to have fun. Basically, so he takes the scroll or whatever. He takes the MacGuffin and walks away and... Uh, then we fade to a year later where which I wrote down fucking wild. I did not expect a year time jump in this movie. I granted, I didn't know what to expect. But after the opening, I was like, oh, it's just going to be like an insane ball fall action film, like chasing after Orlando Bloom. <laughs> like, nah, just jumps ahead a year. And then he kind of eventually shows up again. And so we're introduced to our ostensible hero, Turd Tanyan, Turd! Uh, oh, who is uh, sword fighting with his dad. And the way that the dialogue goes, I really thought like, Oh, this dad does not have have long for this world. Like, like M. Bison is going to raise this village <laughs> on a Tuesday, nonetheless. Yep, always on a Tuesday. Uh, now, last week, I believe, if you all recall, we got some great life invest- lesson about where to keep your eyes and what to do when you see him. Uh, this week, fortunately, we get some more life lessons, uh, courtesy of D'Artagnan's father, which is get into trouble, make mistakes, fight, love, live. Which is the the super masculine testosterone version of live, laugh, love. <laughs> Fight, love, live. <laughs> I'm going to get that in like curse of font on my kitchen wall. I enjoyed the dad's advice uh, when he came up to him and 
you know, very passionately said, the real weapon of a musketeer is here. And he puts his hand on his son's chest, you know, to indicate that it's the heart, which, of course, is vulnerable to women and swords, uh, which, as we <laughs> discover, at least the women part. A very thematically rich film is what Ashley's saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so D'Artagnan takes his ugly, ugly horse. Named Shut up. Buttercup. I love that horse. Its name is Buttercup. My little Buttercup so has the sweetest <laughs> smile. <laughs> So <laughs> D'Artagnan takes Buttercup, the ugly horse, to Fran- to uh, whatever city, Paris, maybe, Paris. whatever. He's heading in that direction. Yeah. I don't think he's in Paris yet. I do love that when we travel by map, we get three days later. Like, And we get the first appearance of my, the first of three appearances of the classic note. And for me, it was, fuck me, it's Mads Mikkelsen. The other best part of this movie. Thank like you, Mads. He he and Orlando Bloom both get it. They get this movie. They are, I mean, pretty much everyone gets this movie, most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, but these two especially are like, we are these hammy villains, and we are going to like, I hope you're I like this movie is not kosher. We are hamming it to the max. Also, like the fact that D'Artagnan uh, pushes him into a duel because he insults his horse. And then turns around and shoots him. I'm like, I love this character so much more right now. I wrote down, what the fuck is this horse bit? Guess what? That's more Dumas bullshit. <laughs> really? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, according to the synopsis I read, that like apparently the, this altercation does happen because uh, it says something mean about his horse, and D'Artagnan's just an impulsive dumbass. I wrote in this moment... Uh, this kid is a cocky sob, and then immediately, bah, gun because like he challenges <laughs> good on Rochefort for yeah. shooting this little punk. Like hell yes, yes. and clearly he intended to kill him because he's like ah oh, the sights off. Yeah, yeah it, it gave me big uh, Joker vibes when like the explosion didn't go off, and he's like looking at his the trigger, and he's like the fuck. So he just like shoots this kid, intending to kill him, and then he's just standing there like. Because I mean, and it is gun. just it's glorious because D'Artagnan like you know is throws off his cape, is walking out into the street and is like, turns around with a sword and Rochefort just immediately, like, Indiana Jones shoots him. And then Mila Djokovic pulls up in a horse-drawn carriage. Djokovic. And, uh, it Djokovic. Yeah, you keep saying Djokovic. It doesn't you, you can't. You kept saying jo- Djokovic, Djokovic last week. Mila Djokovic. Djokovic. <laughs> I think it's a Freudian slip that he thinks she's a joke, and so he keeps calling her Djokovic uh, because <laughs> he doesn't so respect her. <laughs> So he survives. He was shot, but he he survives. He's heading. He's, he's chasing after the guy, and he's heading to Paris. Uh, and we get this this quick series of scenes, which what? Which by the way, spoiler alert, is more Dumas bullshit. Not not everything, and <laughs> not all the details. But I wrote down: Is he just gonna like bump into all the musketeers individually, unrelated to each other? And guess what? Yes, even in the book, he does. What the fuck? Who does he bump into first again? Athos. Oh, he goes Athos. in order. Yeah, he goes. Yeah. Oh, no, Athos. he doesn't. Aramis is last. Yeah, yeah. So, so Athos uh, is. Oh uh, no, I'm sorry. It's Athos, Pathos, uh, Aramis. Ar- no, Por- yeah, Porthos is before Aramis because I have my notes in order on that one. Uh, the Athos scene. He's in a bar, and Athos is throwing a drunk out of the bar. I don't know. It's very unclear and very uninteresting what's happening. And then he's he, so he's chasing after Mads. He's Mads about Mads. <laughs> 
He's chasing after him and just I don't he just like runs into him and forces him to spill his drink or some shit. What I can't remember the Athos one because the other ones blew my mind so fucking much that I forgot <laughs> what happened before it. Yeah, Athos gets covered in his own beer, essentially. Yeah, it's it's like you ru- you ruined my uh my new old shirt. Yeah, and so he basically he's like challenge me at this courtyard at, at noon or whatever. And he's like, okay, fine. Uh, and then he runs off. And then we run into Ray Stevenson, uh, who is at a Renaissance festival. Because <laughs> he's, he's shopping for outfits. And I was like, and like the porch, I was like, I've seen this. This is the fucking Ohio Renaissance festival. Yes. We've yeah. all been there look, looking at the way too expensive costumes. And so he's he's there with a sexy lady who um, like as he's all. Okay. Also, now that we're here, let's talk about my actual favorite character in the movie. This clerk this yes. guy in the in the best costume yes. like he, i yeah this guy on. looks like he's from the fucking capital in the hunger games movies <laughs> he, he brought he, his costume from home he has like pince-nez glasses that are like it's he's amazing the only way it would be better is if like you just happened to convince stanley tucci to play that character but other than that the yeah maybe no, uh, yeah, so so this scenario is apparently uh, Ray Stevenson is sleeping his way to the top because he's he's with this rich woman who's going to buy him all sorts of fancy stuff. Uh, and this one, D'Artagnan is actually the only time he's a good person. He like hands him the money. It's like, oh, you you must have dropped. Like I saw this drop, uh, and he's like, she was handing it to you. And he's like, women don't hand me money. What? My desperate, fresco- fragile masculinity. What are you suggesting? Oh no! I'm going to look like a wimp in front of Lumiere. I'm going to look like a wimp while buying my fancy clothes. <laughs> I thought this was going to be some sort of build-up where it was like, oh, he proves himself throughout this like montage of running into all the musketeers and like, oh, he's agile and oh, he's like clever, you know, no, something like that. But no, he's just. I uh, know he proves himself by swinging his dick around. That is the entire movie is D'Artagnan swings his dick for two hours. I yep. would just like to remind <laughs> you of the person I mentioned in the beginning. He is the Kyle who exclusively masturbates at work you yep okay now now <laughs> Sorry. we all don't want to comment on that poor bastard chris it happens every week stop being surprised when you say something met by weird silence and we quickly move on it happens every week i love it and i love it every week uh i just want to say though audience so we've met two if you think if you haven't watched this movie and you think you know what's going to happen when he meets oh aramis God. You oh are God. wrong. You're so wrong. No one in the universe, no one in the history of time would ever conceive of this except for Paul W.S. Anderson. Yes. That the so way he meets an Aramis. Aramis. Basically, Aramis is mad about the horse being there and the horse like crapping on the ground and not being cleaned up. How does he express this anger, Brandon? If I may uh, read from my, my all caps note, followed by exclamation point, question mark, exclamation points. Parking tickets! There are parking tickets in this fucking set. That said, there is a joke I did like because he's saying like it's a citation for a horse, whatever. A citation, citation. He's like in French, like French, like doing like the in English joke, but they're in France. Ha ha ha. And I was like, that's that's kind of clever. That that was mildly clever, but like I could accept automatic crossbows and the like in the clock punk nonsense but nothing else in this film it's it was nothing else in this film has that anachronistic taste oh yeah by the way i i did look this up the first parking ticket uh was issued <laughs> you looked it up <laughs> in chicago in 1935 so this movie is ahead of its time just i like how this tells you the the like fundamental difference between chris and myself i see the parking ticket and i just start like frothing at the mouth screaming like gnashing teeth and chris is like i wonder when the first parking ticket was issued <laughs> 
I have a simple mind, okay? You're such uh, a gentler, like, happier person, and I'm like, rage. Of the four of us, rage. Chris is the Chris was voted most likely to uh, write IMDb trivia. This is true. <laughs> after these, after all these run-ins, uh, we get my next fuck me moment because it's fuck me, it's Christoph Waltz. Yes. And he looks like a Nick Swardson character. Yes, this he does. blonde wig that makes him again oh, the, like I the think hair and wigs yeah. in this film Ooh. across the board. Our D'Artagnan's hair, fucking James Corden's hair. There's a lot of very hairy hair moments happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a, a two hour L'Oreal commercial. What's really funny is I think in any other film he would be like the big over the top villain. In this one, he's the most restrained of all our antagonistic characters. Oh yeah, no, he's the straight man of this and movie. It, and it works. Yeah, because he looked at Madge and, and fucking Orlando Bloom. He's like, well, I can't do anything more than that or it's going to be absurd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the thing that was going to push it over the edge. This, this <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I go over the top, this movie will be too absurd. An airship flies by in the background. <laughs> it's like this very well, sensible film. He spends the whole movie reading, and I feel like maybe he just knew this movie was beneath him, and they just put his lines in all of these books, and he was just like, "I'll just show up and and read." Oh, I, I'm sorry, actually, though. There's there's there are a couple moments where he's not because they do the other smart person shorthand where he is playing chess because, as we all know from the TV trope, smart people play chess, and he's playing chess with the the only with the only partner who can met best him himself, <laughs> and then a uh, milady strolls in. And uh, he introduces the game of chess and then she like does a move and he's like, you ruined my game. Well, and that's what's weird is this chess kind of like idea, like, you know, the symbolic chess comes back later, but it's not between him and anybody. Like he just rolls out the plan. Like we all know how he's playing chess, but like it comes back when, you know, uh, Milady and Athos are kind of like going back and forth about like sharing their plan that comes later in the film. And I'm like, why? <laughs> the chess they should have been playing chess actually you're going a little too deep to quote the uh the showrunners of game of thrones themes are for sixth grade book reports <laughs> paul ws anderson walked into the pitch meeting like i've never read the book but i'm pretty sure like it would go something it would go a little bit like this i am here for this king i love the king uh, louis the dainteenth louis veruca salt uh played by freddie fox just crushing it just the dandiest like the more dandy than the clothier earlier like these shorts though with these leggings are i i cannot take anything this man does seriously because when he runs away it's like it is so comical to see him running these these shorts and tights and the actors also named freddie fox which just like adds to it somehow yeah uh, so uh, we meet the king the king is very concerned about fashion because uh the the obviously the best dresser in the film the duke of buckingham is coming to visit uh to hear a peace proposal for the king for, to the king of england and he is very concerned about what people are what buckingham what color buckingham is wearing so which, he can make sure he's in wearing fairness the yeah, the king and queen like did, especially. I mean, queen more so is this, but like, whereas the king, you know, maybe had to make some, you know, military or, you know, had to do some ruling of a government. Like seventy five percent of their job was just looking good. Shut up! I just the Brandon and I just did the equal like smack at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> sorry brian I'm so, so but yeah i mean so like 75 percent of their job is to uh look pretty and to uh dress fancy so we jump back to uh d'artagnan so it's time for the duel oh yeah we didn't mention that and so 
basically each each time D'Artagnan met one of the musketeers, he set up a duel for the next hour. So uh, he set up the second duel for one o'clock and the next duel for two o'clock. Then they arrive and he's like, oh, shit, all three people I signed up to duel are all friends and hanging out together. And now I miss this. Apparently, the, re- the they all basically suddenly the musketeers get surrounded by guards who work for the cardinal for Christoph Waltz. Uh, and apparently it is for dueling in public. But I thought it was just that, like, the musketeers were in hiding. And I was like, wait, are they in hiding? Why would they just come out and duel in public? Like, I was very confused about because they're like, oh, the musketeers aren't musketeers anymore. But also they immediately get summoned to the castle. But, like, it's very confusing about what the current status of the musketeers is. Just watch the fight scene and don't think about it, Brandon. That's what W.A.S. Anderson wants you to do. Yeah, I will say the I do write down the fight is silly, but fun. This is where I wrote down, uh, it can't be overstated the importance of killing the boy. (laughs) Because the problem with this movie is that nobody can commit to killing this kid, which would solve everybody's problems, I think. Uh, This little tip, just a, a, a broadband alert to any screenwriters out there. Um, if you ever write an exchange into your screenplay that is about someone being unarmed in a battle of wits, you must burn all of your work and then jump off the nearest bridge. <laughs> it, it's done. We're not doing it anymore. It's over. Please stop. The Santa Claus 2 killed it. Because if you write that line, you reveal that it is in fact you who is unarmed in this battle of wits. Just looking at how many people, how many like really popular famous actors are in this movie, I just wrote... How did they think they were going to make money off of this? Because they have spent so much money getting people in this Well, movie. I'll tell you what, they made money. This movie made $132 million at the box office, baby. You, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> On a budget of $75 million, and so then after marketing, it was probably they made like $6 million, which $6 million is nothing to sneeze at, but you don't spend $75 million to make six. They didn't make it for the money, Brandon. They made it for the art. I also just assumed this movie didn't make money because I saw it opening weekend when it came out in theaters in 2011, and it was me and four children who were just running. They weren't my Chris, children. Stop by taking the way. children to the movies. No, they weren't mine. I don't know who they were, but they were. That makes it worse. Why was that better? <laughs> Wait, did we do this exact bit like a week ago? We Probably. did. We I'm did. And I love that we're repeating this. <laughs> Low hanging fruit, here I come. <laughs> oh, grab that apple. Here we go. Um, yeah, no, it just they were running around the whole time, and I was just so mad because I couldn't even pay attention to the movie that, like, albeit you really don't have to pay attention to. Uh, yeah, so all that comes out of this fight is they, they see D'Artagnan's skills, so they agree to sort of take him on as an annoying little brother figure, I guess. So he's joining up with the Musketeers. And for all the shit I gave the screenplay, there is one line I really liked, which honestly might just be Ray Stevenson's, like, great charisma coming through because he has this line where he's like it's like i you mo- you'll probably be dead by sunset but i like you kid <laughs> <laughs> and i was like that was a fun line i really feel like ah, i'm here for it it's great so they end up back at the musketeer mcmansion and yeah, where we get my third fuck me no because fuck me it's james corden yay yeah, but then all the musketeers and D'Artagnan get summoned to the palace, which is when I wrote down, it seems sudden. I don't I don't understand the social standing of any of this. I'm very confused about like how dishonored the musketeers are. Because uh, suddenly they're just, like called to the palace. I was like, are they fine then? Why are they destitute? Yeah, they're called they're called there because they're like uh Richelieu wants them punished. I do like that he totally shits on D'Artagnan for wearing shitty clothes. And yeah, so Louis Louis enters with 
the hat. Yes. Uh, the hat. These the hat. fucking hats. Finishing the hat. <laughs> now you have to finish the hat. Oh, they finished this hat. Like it is like it's like a a a, a pilgrim hat, but it's like bejeweled and bedazzled and glitter and purple and pink and just all of it. It's if the pilgrims came on the sleigh flower. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like a leprechaun. Like it is very much like a, he's going to buy some lucky charms. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's green. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're in front of this council. The uh, Christoph Waltz is there. The King's there. And then Queen Anne comes in. Uh, played by Juno Temple, which I texted you all. I just watched The Dark Knight Rises, and it's very weird to see Catwoman's friends be the Queen of France. <laughs> but this is also where we find out that the woman that D'Artagnan was flirting with is one of her handmaidens, because as I wrote down, apparently there are only six people in all of France. <laughs> well, because the musketeers murdered the rest of them in that yes. duel. Queen Anne is horny for D'Artagnan. Like, the way... All of the them. dark angina is going to get fucked in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and baby temper tantrum king, who I thought was going to say the line, throw them through the moon door at, when <laughs> Richelieu was like, you're going to punish them severely. And he was like, ah, uh, but then he's like falling in love with them all also. So he's like also horny for them and the power that they wield. And so he mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that them. That's the epilogue of this movie is. The king king and D'Artagnan all in a big ball. Well, D'Artagnan, all the musketeers. It's everyone. It's just a big old like party. It's a California king filled with people. One, (laughs) one for all for one and one for all, baby. I think you mean a French king. Oh, good point. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a ball being thrown by the French aristocracy. It's going to be an orgy. (laughs) Richelieu comes in. He's like, it's like, it's like, hey, Richelieu, join the party. He's like, I can't. I'm a priest. And Aramis looks up. So am I. And then he just keeps his eye contact. He's fucking yes. someone. He doesn't even know he's fucking. He's just like pumping and staring at Christoph Waltz. Uh, but yeah, so instead of punishing any of them, he rewards them. He's giving them new clothes and some money. I and, wish they got hats. I mean, we all wish. Every, like As soon as you see that hat, when it's not on screen, everyone should be asking, where's the hat? Uh, but they, uh, we get to the scene of scheming, I think, is next with uh, Christoph Waltz. It's basically he's pulling an Othello. He's going to like fake this affair between the Duke of Buckingham and the Which, Queen. Apparently, in the book, it's the real. Queen, it's real. Yeah, they're actually fucking. Yeah, and the Three Musketeers, these like valiant heroes, are just like covering up for a royal's affair. I'm like, that's that's the story. Yeah, yeah, but we do get the great line where it talks about uh, the the King of France being a cuckold, a teenager with a grudge, <laughs> and I'm like. Can we go? Can we go one fucking week without incels being their true villains? <laughs> um, yes, next week we will well, be good. C- Brandon, to be fair, Cardinal Richelieu is a all cell. Oh, that's oh, true. Good point. Oh, it took me Here's. a second. I was and like, no way, Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> is celibate. He's, Mads Mikkelsen's fucking everyone in France. Yeah, yeah, no, he is. He is the original pansexual. <laughs> He's going for everything. He hates D'Artagnan so much because every time he has to go deal with the, the musketeers, it's time that he's not spending lane pipe around town. Well, he, he <laughs> when he ran into D'Artagnan at the first time, he's like, oh, good. France has another fuck boy I have to compete against. <laughs> so I I want to I, I wish I could like live in the mind for just the experience of the of this movie. If I had not seen like 
any of the promotional material for this movie. Like I just, Oh, the three musketeers. Like, and you'd be kind of like, Oh, that's weird. The booby traps and the gimp scuba night. Um, <laughs> this is very peculiar. It's like, ah, this big parade and you, uh, grand uh welcoming of the of lord buckingham and then from the clouds is this giant airship and just like imagining that person's brain just exploding i will give credit to the extras in this movie though they have the the proper reaction to this thing flying over the castle and and landing in front of them they should be scared because they almost get murdered by an anchor just thrown into a crowd (laughs) of people (laughs) oh my god they just destroy so much property which i'm like what i like i understand buckingham's a dick but like that what if those people hadn't gotten out of the way in time well People, uh, like, as we see earlier with the 50 people slain in the sword fight, they're just fodder. Do what you want with them. Uh, But, yeah, once the Duke of Buckingham gets off and everyone recognizes each other again, I wrote... (laughs) He does this entire movie. (laughs) I wrote down, oh, correction, there are seven people in all of Europe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, um, I, this is, I think, the moment where Chris and I had the same thought because the king sees the warship or the war machine and he says oh why can't i have an airship and i just wrote down i want the world i want the whole world <laughs> he is so straight up for ruka salt but like where's my airship daddy i want one now i mean the rest of his personality does hold that out but if i saw an airship i would for fucking course want one and yeah and i'm the, <laughs> i'm the king of france like i know they're not real but i want one yeah. like, well, and spoiler alert he has one he yeah. just doesn't know it. Uh, uh, the he got to wait till his birthday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he arrived. I mean, it's just, it's basically Orlando Bloom's chewing the scenery for three minutes because it's great meeting everyone he already knows and just like stirring shit. He's oh, just- yeah. And oh, by the way, Mila Jovovich has uh, played a little prank on Louis uh, because when she shows up earlier and first meets him, uh, he's asking, what are they wearing? And what color are they wearing in England? And she says, green. And so he's like, ah, you know, I know I shouldn't have worn blue. Everyone, you know, make make it green. And then he, uh, Lord Buckingham shows up wearing blue. And he, yeah, he, he drags fucking King Louis. He's like, oh, I remember when we used to wear green three or four years ago. Oh, hello, <laughs> Louis. Your shoes look like a fam. The and I'm like, thing, oh, you sassy bitch. Yeah. The the only thing I think makes this character better is it's like like you either have to keep Orlando Bloom, which is perfect, or yes. it has to be like a six hundred pound man, you know, like just walking up to be like, oh yes, we wore blue last year. <laughs> just Jabba the Hutt. Yes. <laughs> 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 like you went Jabba the Hutt and not like hedonism bot, the more obvious example of a <laughs> right. fact. Oh, uh, God. Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Where are my buttered noodles? Dumpy, <laughs> fetch the airship. <laughs> ah, I shan't touch the airship until I've had Jumpy lock the absinthe away. Oh my, yes. The chocolate uh, icing. I am so much higher than you. Yeah, but we get from, we go from this like drama because the queen's there and he's like, oh, I know the queen. Oh, I know all the musketeers. Oh, I know. He doesn't know D'Artagnan though, does he? That's the no. one person. Yeah. And he's like, the fuck is this? He's like, I know everyone in the world. How? The, who the fuck is that? You, you let a, you let a poor in here. 
But we go from that the hot goss sesh to uh, Mila Jovovich, who has a plan. And if you're wondering, I wonder if her plan requires her to strip down. Don't worry. Paul W.S. Anderson is still honking that horn. <laughs> I'm so horny. <laughs> yeah. That, so And so she starts off by she's on the rooftop and the British guards or French guards, whatever guards are, you know, they're they're doing like patrol down below. And then there's guards up on the on the roof and they're like, you're not supposed to be here. And she's like, oh, I'm afraid I got lost. Oh, and it's so hot. I'm afraid I'm going to faint. And when they go to help her, she murders most of them, except for one. She points a gun at him and he's like, you can't shoot. They'll hear you. And she's like, wait. And then when Paul W.S. Anderson, it starts laying on the horn. She shoots him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, it's because the clock rings, but I actually I actually really kind of enjoyed that. Like, that oh, yeah, it, it's forth. It was kind of fun for me. <laughs> it's part of what I mean of the that's what makes this movie fun is like it it has that sense of humor and like that. We're all just having fun here. Like, yes. And so then she Mission Impossible, like repels <laughs> down onto the balcony. Wait, wait, wait. We have to talk about how she stands up ass first on the top of that clock tower. She did not need to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, this is also because then she uh, this is actually also when she strips because then she's like down like a corset only. Uh, first off, I imagine the, the director was screaming at her through a megaphone. Sexier. Do it. Sexier. Yeah. Uh, but also to quote the producers, when you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> and so she ducks into Queen Anne's room. And she's she starts looking around and uh, knowing how all castles are obviously really built, goes for it, finds the secret passage and enters where the diamonds are held. And it's our second booby trap hallway. It's a laser hallway, baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just all these these little wires just everywhere, which later a little bit later when they're like, you know, asking, you know, go and get my uh, my diamonds. I'm like. How is like what's the protocol for a normal person going in to get those? Like, is, oh, I thought she is, was gonna run and cut herself in half. Yeah, she's just gonna like run straight forward. Like, whatever. This is how I do hallways. <laughs> is, is Constance like going to just have to do like the uh, the entrapment thing of just like yes. undulating and jiving <laughs> through these these wires? The only thing that make it better is like she walks into the room and just like walks up to a little like candle and just pulls it and all the wires just go <laughs> like it would just be that simple to pull one candle off mm-hmm. but no Mila Jovovich has to like fly like a squirrel through yeah, she yes spinning just... and moving and it's like a tornado dive it's insane <laughs> I, and then they, don't, they don't show her leaving that room right I'm like how does she get back through them well, yeah, because she does the quick time events. She hits A, then X, then B, and then has to do the right trigger. Okay, okay. <laughs> Speaking of quick time events, uh, there's a game. Uh, oh, God. I think it's uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows is the game. Yes. Uh, it's a Spider-Man game, and it, there's a lot of quick time events. Um, and there's one where you, like, the quick time, the whole series of events is, like, Black Cat gets pushed off a roof, and you have to, like, run to the edge of the roof, jump off, you catch her, and then you swing away before you hit the ground. And my friend was playing. And so he hits all the first ones, he runs to the edge of the roof, he jumps off, he, like, web swings down to make himself go faster so he can catch up to her. He grabs her, and then he misses the last one and just pile drives her into the ground. (laughs) So we're like, she got hurt so much worse because of Spider-Man. He's like, here, let me add mass and velocity to your fall. Hours. 
hours of entertainment just letting that happen over and over and yeah over. but it, it became a bit of an apartment me with me and my friends like here let me add mass and velocity whenever you just make a situation worse for someone <laughs> oh my god uh, i had a moment where i was like i don't know where these scenes or plot points are coming from it seems like just random things are happening at a certain point of this, this part of the film but I, I did really like the uh, I have this friend scene with the king and D'Artagnan. <laughs> yes. He's like, uh, my wife seems super horny for you. Uh, how can I make her super horny for me? I uh, was hoping because they're walking on this red carpet, like toward the queen and her like lunch party. Mm-hmm. And they're having this conversation about how the king can get in the queen's pants. And then I wrote down, I hope this carpet is too short. I'm like, what will the king do if he can't walk on this red carpet? I was disappointed that it was actually long enough, but they did hold it while they like had stopped. And I thought I did think that was great. Guards, guards, the carpet is too short. And as we know, this in this castle, the floor is lava. I, I, I can't remember if this is the point where they're on the bridge and they're playing that weird fishing game with the oh, that's, servants. I think that's, I, that's later. That's later. later. Cause I wrote that down. Oh, I was boy. like, I want I, to play this game. We're going to have to dissect this in a big yeah. way. Like yeah. uh, we're, we're going to uncover demons or something. Cause in my brain, I was like, there's something about this that is, is troubling or speaking to me. In well, some way. I mean, again, this is a video game and every video Man. game like in post 2010 has to have a freaking fishing mini game. Uh, so do you not like fishing in Stardew, Brian? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I, I did at this point pause the movie and said to myself, how is there almost an hour left of this movie? They said the line! Yes. <laughs> 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 we out earlier this week, say the line, Trash Watch Howard. There's still 30 minutes left. Yay! It, just, it took me by surprise that there was still that much time left in this movie. I'm like, and nothing has happened. Well, in it, to its credit, the next like fifty minutes, because we're we're oh, getting they blow fat. They yeah, blow the, the the final hour of this movie goes like. I will tell you this though, uh, it's structured so weird because if you at any point in the film you think, okay, I understand how the rest of the the plot of this film is going to go, you are wrong because things both go faster and slower than you anticipate. Including yeah, like this this we are in like a fifteen minute chunk without the musketeers. Like I checked, like I went and did like timestamps. We go. There's a point here where, yeah, we go 15 minutes from the last scene with the Musketeers to when they show up again, which is literally at the hour mark. And it's 10 minutes after that. I mean, this scene with D'Artagnan, he's gone for 10 minutes as we're just doing this intrigue and like espionage. Like, it is crazy. Like, I, I wrote down, like, in all caps, where are the Musketeers? Because I was like, <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Like, yeah, I wrote down, are the Musketeers in this movie? I wrote what a weird ass moment and it took me a minute to think about what moment that was but it was the moment where like queen anne came to confront richelieu about like uh she knew she knew i know and he's like what my diabolical plot that i literally just said to you oh how could i ever and she's like <laughs> outside and I'm like, that's, that's how they get i got dissed by a cardinal oh. yeah. <laughs> Cardinals know the thing about me that I don't like about myself either. <laughs> That's the thing are... I'm sensitive about. <laughs> Look at those high waisted hips. Actually, Bucky Buckingham is the uh, is the uh, is the one who's telling Louis he has high waisted hips. Oh yeah, yeah. I do have to point out. So after she steals the necklace, she goes and meets with uh, Christoph Waltz again. And this film does humanity a great service because we now have video proof of Christoph Waltz saying the word "yup." <laughs> 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 oh my god i didn't even catch that good point uh, yeah i'll get the exact exchange but 
uh, Christoph Waltz says, yup. And it even is subtitled, yup. And then he writes this note for her, which... Which says, whoever does this has done what has been done. I'm like, that might be... It's probably the language from the book, because th- this, this, like, note forgiving them for whatever they do is apparently a plot point in the book. It's her insurance. She's like, you know, how do I know you won't just murder me after this is all done? Yeah, it's super weird table setting because like clearly this note's going to be used for by someone else later in the movie. But yeah, the wording of it is is I'm guess, it has to be from the book because no one even horny Paul W.S. Anderson wouldn't write something so confusing. Yeah, and that's what the, the rest of the plot is the undoing of an Othello, which I was like, I well, it's not Othello in the book. In the book, it's actually just covering up the affair of a of the queen. But like, I, I would not have expected in a million years that was going to be the plot of a Three Musketeers movie. And the reason the Musketeers get involved is because Constance goes to ask D'Artagnan for help. She's like, uh, I, sh- I suppose I should start being a character. Yeah, well, she still never does. She uh, tells, you know, D'Artagnan, you need to go and uh, get the diamonds from England. And the musketeers are like, oh, I guess we're on this heist as well. And then who should finally return and grace the screen with his presence? But our boy Mads Mikkelsen. Ah, which, yeah, so uh, I'm like, this movie doesn't trust you at all because Mads Mikkelsen, he's outside shouting to them. He's like, hey, guys, if, if you come out here, if you surrender, no, no harm's going to befall you. And then he like whispers to his captain. He's like, if they come out, shoot them. And I'm like, yeah, obviously that's what he's going to do. We didn't need that line. Um, So they they go through this like, you know, the um, there's a diversion. Thanks to James Corden. Uh, just throwing shit on one of these guys and uh, the musketeers escape. And then the um, the royal or I guess it's the the cardinal's guard like chases them down and they get to this boat they're like we have to get on the boat and then um unexpressive constance is like i can be the diversion she's going to wear d'artagnan's clothes and be the diversion but i wrote down the cut made it seem like she put the clothes on like right in front of the guards like she puts the clothes (laughs) on then they were like oh shit it's d'artagnan and then she runs away (laughs) well she was out of the she was out of the guards like uh range like if she if she got any closer like an exclamation point would appear over their head oh yeah like like, like metal gear solid but it's like yeah it's a stealth (laughs) mission so she was out of she was out of the field of vision no, she picked up that perk. When she leveled up, she got a new perk, and she chose so you can change costumes in front of guards without them noticing. Yeah, exactly. her, sneak, yeah. her sneak leveled up, yeah. I, I, I was surprised. I did not expect James Corden to stick around. I was like, okay, he's probably in, like, these two scenes, and then he's in, like, the rest of the movie. It's wild. Yeah, he follows them on the boat. Yeah. My next note is just torture threats in the daytime is funny. Why did I write that? Uh, well, is that during the zany infiltration? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, because we get the uh, we get a great use of I uh, like the trope. Uh, I know, you know, I know. Yeah, because <laughs> yep, they they we yeah, we get dueling heist plans because Milady's like, here's what they would do. And he's like, here's what we should do. And here's she knows we're going to do that. So here's what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> and they're explaining, OK, you know, everyone's going to do all these things. And they're like, D'Artagnan, you're the wild card. We're the decoys. <laughs> And when when he said that, as I texted the gang, all I could think is D'Artagnan, wild card, bitches. And then he jumps off the boat and does us all a favor. Uh, Of all the people who could have jumped off the boat, should have been (laughs) D'Artagnan. So now begins our elaborate heist where uh, 
I guess it's two of them are like faking an argument out front, which distracts the guards. And then D'Artagnan hangs one of them. Yeah. Like the one left behind, he just drops a noose and just lifts this guy. The amount, and I can't overstate this enough, the amount of death in this movie is staggering. There are so many bodies in this movie. And there are yeah. still more to come. And there's so oh, much more. Somebody. A couple things I want to shout out. One small scene we didn't we didn't touch on, at least. If we did, I was zoned out doing something else. Uh, is Mads Mikkelsen reporting the failure to yes. Christoph Waltz? <laughs> yes, I, this is great. <laughs> Which is, it's so fun because Christoph Waltz just has this like real shitty thing where he's like, I assume you're here to tell me that the plan went off without a hitch and there are no problems and they have all been killed and my plan's going to go forward perfectly. That's what you're here for, right? <laughs> it's so good. And so meanwhile, this plan is going off. Well, it seems to not be going off without a hitch because uh, D'Artagnan is instantly found and captured. Yes, which I wrote down, oh no, there's no way this was part of the plan. <laughs> Never in the history of cinema has someone been captured as part of the plan, except for, you know, earlier in this movie when that happened. And once again, Buckingham dropping the ball, just everyone just drop everyone making the same crucial mistake, which is not killing this kid he's even swinging around this switchblade like he's yeah. like a so you know like he's in you know like he's gonna say uh, greasers have switchblades ashley <laughs> <laughs> the socials are not the ones with switchblades don't you bad mouth the crappy socials. Now, now i want to see like a 1700s version of west side story <laughs> it's called romeo and juliet oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes Yes, we did it. Oh. Ah, Chris fucked up so much. Yay! Yeah, I just think star-crossed lovers would be like a really interesting thing to explore really in this kind of setting. <laughs> like that Venice setting was pretty cool. What if we did it in Italy? What if we did the Lion King with people? No, no that's Hamlet, you, you turd. I know it's a different play. It's the same oh. joke. That's oh. the same joke. That's uh, same joke. Shame uh, on Chris. I've peaked. All right, you guys do the rest of the episode on your own. I'll be uh, back. We've had a couple of those episodes. Measures. This is a good week for us <laughs> all exploding in joy. Uh, speaking of exploding, uh, so they've dragged D'Artagnan uh, into this office, and he's like, you thought I was the wild card, but as it turns out, I'm the decoy. And you see the airship appear outside the window, and electric guitar comes in. Mm. Yeah, so it, it, I mean, this this should have just had the guitar guy from Mad Max just on yeah. the on the air. Should have been the one strapped to the front just, of the ship <laughs> because they break loot. out machine guns. <laughs> Honest to God, machine guns on this thing, and just like flamethrowers. Yes, and flamethrowers. The they, they lay waste to this room. But Orlando Bloom's hair. Does uh, not get singed. Nope. Not and even it a little bit. Does not even move. Oh, <laughs> uh, this hair. Oh, uh, Orlando. Mm, we're about to see the polar opposite of hair that doesn't get messed up, though, in the next scene. <laughs> so Dart D'Artagnan, you know, esca escapes, hops onto the, does like the the big leap onto the airship, and all, and again, this is this is on Athos. He starts to fall backwards, and then Athos like grabs him and pulls him on, and it's like you you your chance was right there. He was literally falling I off. I wrote, maybe they'll kill D'Artagnan by accident. Bummer, he lived. <laughs> I was like, really hoping. It's, it's by accident in quotes. So, oh yeah. no, he didn't quite oh, make no. the jump. Also, like, I great writer, I haven't read the, the book, but based on the snops I read, it seems like D'Artagnan's pretty much an annoying asshole in the book as well. And he's the one that the sequels follow. Yeah. Like, why? Why? 
Why are we following the worst worst person I know made book trilogy about? <laughs> but uh, almost more fun and more important than the giant seed scene that we just had, which once again, Brian was correct with the chef's kiss motion about that attack. Uh, we cut back to Mads Mikkelsen inside the the chambers of the Cardinal. And we find out that Mads Mikkelsen is, in fact, the Star Wars kid. <laughs> There's a sword and he's like play acting in his head, like sword fighting some cool fight. And he's like, yeah, he might as well be making like mouth noises with his sword swings. It's so pure and joyous. I unabashedly still do that, by the way. Here's a request for the fans. Uh, someone find this scene and dub over the Daffy Duck. Uh, it's like, ha, ha, Perry, thrust, dodge, Perry, yes. thrust. Yes. <laughs> There's a point here where somebody yells, Athos, like Alvin. And I was like, my chipmunk theory holds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Much like this podcast, everyone is a, everyone's a chipmunk. Yes. <laughs> Inside uh. you are three chipmunks. <laughs> Yeah, so they they've escaped from the the from Buckingham, and he's like, "Okay, cool. This was all for this was all for nothing, because uh, literally we showed up, blew up his 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 crib, and then uh, bailed with his car." Uh, and it's like, "Well, because the diamonds were never there, because the diamonds are with the only person Milady would trust herself." And while they say that, they cut to Milady like taking off her shawl and then just like framing the diamonds, just in case you were like. What diamonds could they be talking about? The diamonds that are integral to this plot. And in case you thought that the appearance of an airship with machine guns was as absurd as we were going to get. Nope. nope. Because when Mila Jovovich's carriage is first riding away, you see the driver is just like in a cloak. And I was like, well, that's obviously somebody. And it turns out it is somebody. It's Planche. And then the carriage rises into the air they have like hooked the the carriage and are lifting it into the airship oh, they adapted so quick to having an airship like they stole this airship and they're like all right well it's integral to our plan and we're going to use the the hoist to lift up this this carrot that she's in again this is final fantasy rules like characters find they discover an airship like a long abandoned airship that hasn't been seen in a million years and they're like all right uh just push this button that should do it but when once they pull them up onto the ship, uh, we get we get a scene where everyone's standing around, and it's the first time I've really seen Planchette and D'Artagnan's hair next to each other. <laughs> Twins. And holy shit, it is something. As, as fabulous as Orlando Bloom's hair is, their hair is the opposite of that. <laughs> and this is also where we get, I think, my biggest legit laugh of the movie, okay. which is... Planche is talking and saying stuff, and D'Artagnan just someone turns to him and just goes, "Shut up, Planche." Oh, it's a, uh, I think it's Porthos says it. Porthos, they just go, yeah. "Shut up, Planche." And I, I Except like it becomes a running gag. And at a certain point, I'm like, "I'm sorry, you guys are the assholes." Planche was in the right on some yeah. of those. <laughs> uh, Milady hands over the diamonds, Ugh. and Athos gets out a gun. He's like, "It's like, well, Yeller, it's time to put you down." And Milady's standing. In front of the open gangway, it's like, I'm going to shoot you and you're going to plummet over the side. And she's like, ah, but I have a better idea. What if we skip the gun and I just fall off instead? And she just throws herself off and Athos realizes it's because she loved me too much to let me kill her. Yeah, that's it. 
I wrote two things. I was like, one, are we supposed to think that she died? Because come yeah, on. Nobody's like, getting fooled by I'm that. I'm sorry, no. Ashley. My note is, well, she's 100% dead and gone. I, <laughs> I, I too legitimately thought maybe she did actually kill herself for a minute. And I was like, oh, no, that can't happen in this movie. I, well, I saw the water. I was like, OK, she survived. But also, I think in the book, she does die. Yeah, she gets oh. she goes to the gallows. Yeah, she gets uh, yeah. So yeah. so people watching They're this so might you know, high up that I'm like she would just be shattered when she hit that water. But we've all seen a movie, so when we see her like vanish through the clouds and we don't see that body hit the water. Yeah, Lamech like, well, taught us if you want someone to be dead, I have to see their terrible singing body <laughs> thud against cement. Excuse me, <laughs> celery crack against that, that yes. water. That was the sound designer who had to listen to his singing Punchy, voice. Like for that that hours. is the sound of like punching a hunk of meat. I will say it's the only note that comes out of him that's on tune in that movie, so I'm okay yeah. with it. <laughs> you know what else I'm more okay with, I think, yeah. or maybe I'm haunted by, or I hate, or I'm horny for? I don't know. But I wrote down that women love carnival fishing games. <laughs> yeah, this, this is where we get the fishing game. I want to play this game, by the way. I, I'm so, I was, I was so baffled and confused by this. These women are laughing. Like, granted, it was this. It was the 17th century, so maybe there's just this was the most entertaining thing in the world. But they are laughing like they've just tasted cocaine for the first time. They're like, what? they probably did that before they played the game. And shout out to the fucking like servants who had to like stand in the water so they oh could like God. put the fish back in their ankle deep water, <laughs> being like, "This is the fucking thing I have to do today." <laughs> all, all the servants who, incidentally, are all catching Hep A being in this water, a hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah. a very needed scene because all we you know we get the the king going. Are you gonna wear the diamonds? Uh, okay, uh, diamonds. Uh, okay. I also noted. Did you see that he was dressed like a Mardi Gras float in this scene? That man just like straight up the king of Mardi Gras. <laughs> uh, he's rocking a hat in the scene because I wrote down. This is when I wrote down. Let's bring back odd tiny hats. It's but all let's not bring back everyone wearing gold. heels. It's I don't want to have to wear heels. It's just the same yeah. King Louis, but he has a new hat. <laughs> Uh, but so we cut back to our, our okay, our heroes. They, this is where the pacing got weird for me because I was like, okay, the the quest is going to be infiltrating this dungeon. That's going to be the rest of the film, and like they're going to get the diamonds and get back just in time. That's the film. But then they get the diamonds so fast, and I'm like, oh, okay, so they're going to get back, and it's going to have a hard time like getting the diamonds to her. It's going to be like shenanigans at the ball is going to be what's going on. But no, because instead they get attacked by a secret second airship on the way back. <laughs> yes, it's insane. Now, while, while they do have some good effects later, I do say the first, like, salvo on their airship was some Star Trek attack bullshit, because, it like, I don't even think debris is there. It's like a shaky cam, and they all, like, grab a railing yeah. and just, like, yeah. kind of move weird. Did you notice the the when they start fighting and they're, the, uh, the musketeers are shooting off the cannons that the cannonballs can't pierce the side of yeah. the ship? That was, and I'm yeah. like... This is bad. This is this is bad for everyone below you. This is bad for these guys. Like, did they just did they just give like the king rubber cannonballs to shoot for funsies in his airship or what? Is it, like, this is this is Buckingham's play airship. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, I think because they said they made improvements. Uh, as you can see, it's a very subtle design. <laughs> yeah, 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 you said the, you could say this about Roger. <laughs> yeah, Chris said you could say why not about everything in this movie. I wrote down that's a bit much, which I think you can also say about everything in this movie. Yes. <laughs> and 100%. why not? Constance is tied to the bow. Oh, oh. oh but I'm sorry. What is the bow? But a like a grim reaper cardinal it is like a skeleton man holding wearing like a carlin hat and holding like the fucking orb. Merit, <laughs> merit. At this point, and I wrote down her note. She goes. 
if the if the villains of this movie were to fly off in this ship and it somehow turned into a backdoor Peter Pan film, it would make sense. And I'm like, <laughs> Matt yeah. Nicholson just gets lost, takes yes. accidentally takes the third star to the right. Yes. He ends <laughs> up Nicholson needs Hook. to play Captain Hook sometime. <laughs> oh, how beautiful would that performance be? Oh, Where's that, that crocodile? <laughs> With his eye patch. <laughs> Yeah, it took my eye. <laughs> Orlando Bloom is Shmee. Oh, yes. I'm on board for this movie. I have bad news for you, Pan. Even if I believed, I couldn't clap. <laughs> uh, but we, we get we get some okay fighting back and forth, and they end up set, like, agree, like, okay, look, I don't enjoy the battle. Uh, well, D'Artagnan's like, I'm sorry, like, it's the future of the world. You're trying to start a world war. I, I hate to have it happen, but go ahead and kill Constance. Athos is like, choose the woman. Uh, don't be like me. And it's like, yeah. uh, which, which is when I text you all the very funny line, more like Matthew McJaded. Am I right? And so, uh, <laughs> Again, and this also goes into your your tangent of like you've known him for three days. Yes, like you've known yes. her for three days. And also, you're like, like when they put this bridge between the airships for him to go get her, I'm like, just pull the ships apart. Then they all are dead. It's fine. Just drop them to the end, and we don't have to deal with them anymore. Well, that's just our desire to kill D'Artagnan. That's yeah, no, is. yeah, Dart Dart Angina needs to die. <laughs> yet again, Mads Mikkelsen does not take the ample opportunity provided him because he gets D'Artagnan. Not and instantly clocks him over the head with a gun, and just and instead you decides to do that that stupid villain thing where it's like I'm going to make you watch as we kill people. <laughs> I wrote down we need more blimp pics, which I I mm-hmm. stand by. I think we need more pictures with blimps in them, heavily featured. Uh, but the second attack is much more like exactly conks him on the head. They start attacking the other ship in earnest, and this is where we get to see like wooden planks exploding and cannonballs flying. We through. get cannon cam. We follow yes. a cannonball from the oh, French ship yeah. to the English ship. I yeah. I am a I am a a big fan of following a bullet or a cannonball in a movie. Like I just. I know it's it's like the oh, whole opening so of horny Lord for the opening of Lord of War. Yes, I fucking love that opening. I think it's great. I mean, everyone does. It's an amazing yeah, opening. It's so good. We also get uh, a little Looney Tunes bit where a little like a little tiny bomb with a fuse yes. goes in, and James <laughs> Corden just looks at it. And I was really expecting him to like pick it up, and like he and Porthos are like tossing it back and forth. Like I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't Waiting want it. for them to have the some days you just can't get rid of a bomb joke. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! James Corden just running up and down this airship, holding these tiny he's got, little bomb. He's got Matt Matt's Mickelson repellent in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting James Corden like throw it out the uh, hole and then like it hits a rope and bounces back in or something, yeah, and he yeah. like keeps he's can't throw it away. Okay, so like they decide to like trick the you know the the French um, the bad guys by like going into a storm and. They're like, oh, uh, there's this. Yes, this, I there's love this, this guy. There's this, there's this extra who got this great moment, and he gets to go. You can't go into the storm. And Mickelson <laughs> just pops him, just just yes, turns around just without Mickelson. even turning, just shoots him. Now I'm a simple man, but <laughs> I would, I would simply not kill my henchman if I were an evil architect. <laughs> uh, I'm a simple man, and well, uh, you can't raise a bond by yourself. You need more henchmen than you got. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm a simple man, but I fe- but I would I believe if I were to have a, a uh, an impudent young lad who was constantly interfering with my plans, I would simply murder him instead of trying to make him suffer. Yeah, this is one trope I didn't look up, but yeah, the classic uh, villain killing one of the henchmen for speaking out against his plan. Uh, but it's it's totally in keeping of this character, so I, I'm fine with it. And so. Taking a, a page from from Avatar, the uh, James Cameron movie, not the not the uh, last Airbender. not that not the excellent Shy- TV show or the terrible movie, uh, they get the idea that uh, why would they ever look up? And as they come out of the storm cloud, as the uh, French as Mickelson comes out of the storm clouds, he's like, "Where are they? Where are they?" And then we see the airship appearing above them. And they get the jump on them. I was kind of waiting for a moment like Top Gun, like one of them just to be like hanging from a rope, flying upside down, being like, oh, hey. Yeah, well, there's so- there's something where I wrote down because I think Planchette saves a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wrote down Planchette should have murdered these guys by now because they're such assholes to him. Like they're so awful to him yep. that Planchette really should have murdered them. But ladies and gentlemen, as we descend from the clouds towards the city of Paris, what do we see in the distance but noted landmark Notre Dame Cathedral? And I thought, and I wrote down like, it, I I remember thinking like, oh my God, are they going to crash into Notre Dame? Are they going to do it? Is it going to happen? And folks, it happens. And not uh, only does it happen, but they ram on the airship rams the other airship well, into Notre Dame. And it's also right as uh, James Corden, Planchette, starts using flames. I'm like, are they going to catch Notre Dame on fire in this too? Like, yeah, well, well, here's it was it was such a thing. I had to I had to look up and see like, oh, was Notre Dame like destroyed in a certain year back? Because I thought it was going to be another like Flabotnam killed the dinosaurs moment where like, ah, yes, it was this giant airship that destroyed Notre Dame in this year. I really liked the shot of the good guy ship charging at the bad guy ship because it was just like from the perspective of the people on the bad guy ship and they're like, ah! Yeah, it was a terrifying <laughs> ship, but also I'm like, yeah. good guys, you're going to die too, you know that, yeah. right? <laughs> Valhalla! <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful day. And now we get to really the climax of the movie, which is the big duel atop of the roof of Notre Dame between Rochefort and D'Artagnan. Which, as I wrote down in my notes, sing out there, you cowards. Yeah. <laughs> A duel on Notre Dame. Well, because they had the same, they had the roof, and I was like, I I recognize this animation from uh, Hunchback. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he, he, he slides down some of it. He falls mm-hmm. onto a gargoyle. Mm-hmm. My favorite was noticing while they're while they're on top of the of Notre Dame fighting is the two the two people at the bottom just looking up. Yes. You know, I saw there's, yes. like, there's two yes. people's like, oh, that's a thing. I know I was like supposed to be on D'Artagnan's side in this fight because he's are you? Cool, but I am not. <laughs> I am not like D'Artagnan got shit on Mads Mickelson's like coat from the get go, and then he was mad that the guy commented on the horse and then he begged him, he begged him, he didn't beg him. He um, met, he asked him to apologize very impolitely. And like, he's pissed about like this guy insulting his horse. And I'm like, I think Mads Mikkelsen is right here. Like, I think you are the jerk in the situation and he's way better than you I at mean, sword fighting. Both me and I think our, our good friend, Jeremiah Flick would agree that if someone insults your horse, you don't murder them. <laughs> yeah so there's this fight and it is a badass fight like it's a really great fight but like mads mickelson should have won this fight yes because it it gave it gave me a lot of hook and rufio vibes and the ending is here's the okay you got we've seen films before and in the opening scene where we first meet d'artagnan he's sparring with his father right 
Yeah. And his father shows him this fancy move that's going to get him killed. Like, oh, a guarantee, like a double kill. You missed this. Mm-hmm. So we're not, not going to fight fair. Yeah, we're not dumb. We know it's going to happen. And yeah. that's how that's going to be the final move that takes care of him. Right. No, not, not seen anywhere. Not brought up again. Like something something like it does happen right during the fight. But again, it, it's not any like. Oh, I've turned the tables or learned this lesson. It's just aha, yeah, the you ending tried to stab is me. like his his sword gets knocked in the air, and once again, Mads doesn't learn the lesson of the film, which is just kill this fucking kid already. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so then he catches his sword and just like pokes Magnuson once in the chest, and he's dead. <laughs> and Mads Mickelson, as I wrote down, pieces out of the movie. He just like he doesn't even have like a oh, he's just like All right, bye. Yeah, 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 yes, <laughs> and he says. You should have apologized to my horse, which just made me laugh. Like that yeah, was not, not a badass a line. line. That's a shit line. <laughs> that just understates that you're a murderer for no reason. Yeah, not not like oh, I wish you wouldn't have stolen my not girlfriend who will become my girlfriend. You know, <laughs> which also which also here's how Mads Mikkelsen then can then respond. You know, it's just like that you should have apologized to my horse, and as he starts to fall off, nah, <laughs> <laughs> or 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 the the Christoph Waltz. Yep. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so we go from that. Uh, we we get to Christoph Waltz is is at the back of the palace. He is freaking out. He knows that like the plan is failing. It's like all so right. Now so we're, now place. we're at the end of it. Happened one night, and the airship comes crashing down into the party. <laughs> Oh my yeah, God, I can't. Uh, which so all all that we see the musketeers getting out, they're, they're they're rushing off. Everyone's freaking out, and we also get a shot which really solidified my place on Team Planchette mm-hmm. of uh, him. Eating, the, he immediately goes to the the feast that's been laid out and just, well, just like grabbing defense, all the food. He has inside. burned a lot of calories. The boy's hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That and also he's treated so poorly. His part, like this era of France, he definitely should be taking food from the rich. He should be guillotining them and taking all their food. Uh, so Cardinal Christoph Waltz is like, ah, these musketeers. They've been doing evil deeds, and mm-hmm. of course, the fucking letter comes back now, and he hands he hands the king the note saying, like, oh no, they were uh, Rochefort was a traitor. They did the thing that was supposed to be done. Yeah, and and Athos like just completely covers for Richelieu. He's like, hey, you know, oh no, man, like you were you sent us to stop Rochefort, the evil guy who is going to you know who is trying to start a war. Yeah, which is a weird call on their part. Like, ah, it's fine. Leave Christoph Waltz in power. It's no big deal. Yeah. Well, Brandon, they know now, and he knows that they know, and they know that he knows that they know. (laughs) He's replacing the lady. As Queen Anne explained earlier, she knows. I know. Guys, guys. (laughs) There's a lot of knowing. Guys, Mm -hmm. everybody knows. (laughs) Uh, But you know what else people know is how fucking horny Queen Anne is. Yes, because she strolls back in, and apparently the musketeers have snuck off and, and returned the necklace to her off off screen. Uh, so that when she arrives for the ball, she has it on, and she's immediately like, "I know there's not guests here, but what if you and I dance right now in front? Oh, just alone. Let's get the band to play." I'm like, "Jesus!" In front Christ, of buddy. in front of God and everybody, let's just yeah. dance. <laughs> I need the I need to just bring up that the king walks over to D'Artagnan and says, "Thank you," and I'm like, "For what?" What does he think D'Artagnan did? Like he doesn't know any of this. <laughs> no, and his I think I think what he's thanking him for is now the queen seems into him, and he thinks it's because of the cool lessons that D'Artagnan gave him. Meanwhile, the queen was always the queen is so horny she is into everyone who's alive, and so she she was always into the king because he's super rich, and you know you need to be rich to not be a shit shoveler in this time of history. So she's there for it, and she's horny. She's like, might as well fuck him. Yep. But of course, we get D'Artagnan fucking ends up. 
un- undeservedly with Constance. And alive. She doesn't even look like she enjoys this kiss at all. No. And I wrote down more proof that if you're pretty, if you're a pretty person, you don't need charm at all. And it just pisses me off. Because this is when he does his callback, which he's like, oh, it, you, it's like, you must be confident. You must think I'm pretty. He goes, no, actually, it's a Tuesday. And I'm like, yeah. is he negging her? Did he just neg yeah, her? Yeah, he straight yeah. up negged her. And so they, they, they're leaving the palace and we get, you know, one final shut up planchette. And you're thinking, okay, movie's over. Oh. No, no, my friends. Oh, my friends. Not since Deep Rising have we had just the perfect film yeah. ending. Boys, I've done it again. You have a habit of di- of doing this to us. Like, so, weird, the weirdest endings So possible. we fade to black. <laughs> and then we start fading of like, you know, woozy vision. And we see Buckingham and we're like, oh, God, yes, we're back. He's back, baby. Yeah, baby. Realize, oh, Mila Jovovich is on a boat. Uh, she's alive. And it's like, you know, we f- good thing we fished you out of the water. Get that audience? She fell in the water and we fished her out. And you can tell because she looks like a drowned fish. <laughs> and so it's like, ah, what are we going to do now? Ah, we're going to get revenge on the French. And then we see the boat and we gradually pan out and we see a fleet of ships in the water, but not just in the water. Oh, my friends, we see the 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 the, the Palpatine's fleet from Rise of Skywalker, just airships oh my everywhere. God. If I may, I think I'm about to say something that may have never been said in the history of mankind, and that is Paul W.S. Anderson didn't go big enough. <laughs> I think in this final reveal, first off, it should be nothing but airships. And also, they should have, like, lasers or something. There should be an escalation of the technology in, in this moment. So there should be lasers or, like, mech suits or something. We need something <laughs> even bigger than just more ships. But then we end with the weirdest... Oh, God. Yeah, what is the song? song? The weirdest title song at the end is this country auto-tune thing. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, you could probably attest to this, too, because of our background. Uh, it reminded me, if you replaced, like, certain words... It reminded me of like a Sunday morning praise and worship tune. Yes. Like yes. acoustic guitar with a rainbow strap, all of it. Like yes. what is happening? <laughs> but this weird ass song does not deter me from my rating, which is I adore this movie. No, I say watch it if you have. <laughs> oh, never, abs- yes. Have watch, watch it. Watch I was it. surprised how much I like this film. I, I, I think I text you guys like it is 75% madcap nonsense and 25% absolute shit. I also really enjoyed I laughed aloud a lot. Like yes. a lot of laugh. Some of them maybe I shouldn't have, but I, I like really enjoyed it. The, yeah, <laughs> Ashley, you're better than that. I have to say, we haven't really actually talked about Matthew McFadden at all, even though this is March Madness. Well, because he's like, the bland, milk toast. But he's not one. though. Like he, I mean, he has the driest. Movie, but it's like he's it's it's he's the he's the straight man. Like he he rocks, but he again he's surrounded by just all the the most insane characters i don't even think he's that much of a straight man because he has some of the funniest like one-liners and delivery moments in the whole movie like also true yeah yeah um i don't remember any of that from him i will will again because it's overshadowed by everything else in the movie yeah like in the in the big fight scene where they meet d'artagnan he's like there he's like why aren't you the mass musketeers like weren't you amazing and he's like yes and now we're just us and like it's yeah. just like a really solid delivery and with his voice it's just really fun. So 
this actually has the lowest amount of of, uh, five-star ratings on Amazon that we've done for this season. Uh, It only has a 59% for five-star ratings. The rest are very much towards the ones. But uh, I was introduced for our Trash to Treasure last night to an older gentleman named Dylan. Uh, Dylan! That's Dylan. Uh, I'm already sad. uh, You should be. Uh, He gave five stars to this, calling it Three Musketeers by the way of H.G. Wells, five stars. Calls it a far-fetched movie where three musketeers meet H.G. Wells. It's a great fantasy (laughs) film. And (laughs) they meet H.G. Wells. I have that in the Costello. The three musketeers meet H.G. Wells. (laughs) Yeah, that's originally why I picked this, because I'm like, okay, that's a weird way to say that. Who's on, who's on Earth? The aliens, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, I did, however, pick three other reviews this person gave, and it just because it, it gives you a full picture of the man who gave five stars to this movie. The man who is Dylan. He, uh, the man he, who would be reviewer. <laughs> yes, he, uh, he purchased a miniaturized drone and called it a great drone and stated... Five stars. I purchased this drone for a young neighbor who's in lockdown and bored. He tells me it's easy to use and recharge. He flies it all day and likes to chase his cat. The drone is a very enjoyable toy. I'm praying that the camera is great. That's that's a weird thing. So he bought this for his neighbor, and he's hoping the camera works really well. And I was like, okay, well, let's dig a little deeper and see what else this man is getting into. He also purchased an RFID blocking wallet, calling it very good. Color natural red, five stars. This was a present for my wife. The package arrived on time and in good condition. The wallet is also in good condition and appears to be without any imperfections. This is a great uh, purchase because now no one can steal her info. And we all know the people I'm talking about. Because apparently that's a thing. Like People believe that you can get like a, a scanner and scan people's debit cards from a distance with these wallets. And the last thing that they gave a five-star review to was a monocular. Okay. So not a binocular, but a single monocular. All right. A telescope. Yes. A telescope. Essentially. No, it's a monocular. Yep. Calls it uh, five stars. Very useful. Oh no. While the viewing picture is small, the field viewing is quite good for a small device. I would suggest uh, using a tripod for longer viewing or some type of support. But for the price, it is a good device. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, no. Easy to pocket in a pinch. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> well, this... Uh... <laughs> Are we gonna are we gonna start a new segment where the Amber Seals fill out a police report? Yep. <laughs> At the end of every episode, when we find like, a sexual this man, predator. This man is buying drones for his neighbor. I'm assuming he has got the camera synced up to his his phone, so he's getting all the images. He's buying monoculars that are easy to put in your pocket just in case you get caught. And he, I just, it's it's. Ugh. Is that a monocular in your pocket? Are you, oh, just, you just happy to see me? Says Both. the police officer, handcuffing <laughs> him and putting him in the backseat of the car. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Chris. Why? I mean, Why is, do we let him this do this? This is better than last week. I'll That's give true. It that. We can stop him, though. There are three of us. We can overpower him. <laughs> uh, but I do I do have a, a bit of good things to put into you guys. and to be Please don't well, put things into Excuse us. me. <laughs> 
Please, Dylan, don't put things into us. As as those words were coming out of my mouth, I'm like, wait, that's not how I'm supposed to. Well, I already said it's too late now. Okay. No, um, I, I have our pick for uh, for March Madness for next week. Okay, my yeah, round it out. We have Matthew Perry as the final Matt for, for our inaugural March Madness. All right. Yes. We are going back to the grand year of 1998. This movie runs one hour and 30 minutes. So I think I picked the shortest of our movies for the month. Thank you. Uh, this movie is an adventure comedy buddy film. I know it. I know you know it. Everybody should know this. I know it too. Uh, yep. I don't think I yep. do. Ashley, um, Ashley, I think has figured this out since since like day one. She yeah, I was, was hoping you picked this movie. Uh, here's here's the thing. I have never watched an episode of Friends in my life. That's what? okay. So I have no attachment whatsoever to Matthew Perry. Well, I just want to give you a heads up that you're gonna get him. You're gonna get to see him attached by an eagle. So that's oh, fun. it's that one. Oh, I've seen this movie. This is a fucking great movie. Yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> Ashley, since you've since you figured it out before, why don't you tell the audience what it is? Oh, I don't remember the title. <laughs> oh, it is Almost, Almost Heroes. Heroes. Almost yes. Heroes. There we go. Yeah. I love I love the IMDb for this too, which is the description is a road comedy about two guys whose mission it is to beat Lewis and Clark. <laughs> yes. To death. To death. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited about this movie. I. I fucking love this movie. Directed so by Christopher Guest. Yes. <gasps> yes. So until until next week when we uh You didn't do the socials. Damn oh it. shit. Oh crap. Damn it. <laughs> Ashley, I'm, I'm so glad I'm so glad you're on this show, Ashley. Okay, we get we, we have to all right, you have that. to start the end credits and then <laughs> come back to that. Record scratch. Record scratch. We didn't do the socials. Chris. Somebody drop in a song. <laughs> you can follow us on all of our social media. If you have a movie you would like us to watch or review, or if you want to give us some notes, drop it in our email, trashwatchpodcast at gmail.com. Brian, what is our social medias? We are on Twitter at trashwatchcast and, and on, on Instagram at trashwatchpodcast. Also, feel free to leave us a review on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it actually does help get it out because a little correction. Uh, at one point, I believe I claimed that we were the uh, first and only podcast to ever talk about movies. I, I did a little research. Turns out that uh, there are there are literally thousands and thousands of podcasts that talk about movies. So uh, to help us stand out from the crowd, reviews would help. So please go ahead and do that as well. Uh, please keep sharing, liking, subscribing. Um, you know, if it again, with this being uh, the podcast world, you know, we are all about cross promoting. So if you have a show that you're doing as well, please let us know because we want to kind of expand your audience too. That's that's how we are going to grow and kind of create this community. So thank you guys for all of that. And until next week for Almost Heroes, I'm Chris. I'm Brandon. I'm Brian. I'm Ashley. Adios, whatever. Um, Jesus Christ! Uh, Let's Jesus cut all this Christ. out. It's too sad. But keep that. Use that for a tag.